Welcome to Married to History, where he loves history and I love learning and aggravating him. And she does it so well. Aloha! I'm Christopher. I have a fancy piece of paper on my wall that says that I know more about history than most people do. I'm Shirley. I'm a homeschool mom that relies on good curriculum, Christopher, and YouTube to teach our kids history. YouTube. Not to say that there aren't some good videos on YouTube, but just the idea of YouTube being the educator is something about it doesn't rub right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before we get into our episode, let's take a moment to talk about something from a past episode. It's important to keep in mind that Shirley does not warn me ahead of time about what we are talking, and that sometimes really gets to me too, because I'm thinking like, oh, I remember this, and oh, I should have said that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. And this actually isn't a correction from last time, it's just a interesting um addition so we were talking about ted talks right and i found the name of the ted talk that i was trying to um remind you of Mm. so it was sir ken robinson and he's done three ted talks and so the one that i've seen or that we've watched animated as a whiteboard animation is called changing the paradigm i believe his first one is the most watched ted talk Ever. Still. And it was in 2006. Cool. Yeah. And that one was called Do Schools Kill Creativity? So, (laughs) Sir Ken Robinson, he's got some very fascinating ideas when it comes to education. I'll have to watch that one. You should. Now, also, we got a listener email. Cool. Indeed. From who? From Andy. So, he said, I love Andy. I know you do. So he said, hey, guys, first, I laughed out loud at the intro to Pickett's Charge. You two are delightfully silly. We try. Frustratingly (laughs) silly. We try. All right. And then he says, Christopher is without question correct that history is driven by politics, religion, and economics. Thank you. Some validation there. And then he gives a recommendation for his favorite TED Talk. So... You'll have to read this email and watch that later. For anyone else who's interested, it's Michael Schellenberger. And that name sounds familiar. It's about, I think, energy policy, renewable resource, uh, renewable sources of energy and all that. Ah, a topic that I am definitely interested in. Yeah. So, so yes, I would enjoy hearing another perspective. Yeah. So we'll have to check that out. And, and it just goes to show again that TED Talks aren't all just self-help drivel. Right? Is that what I called them last time? Those weren't your words, but that's what you were implying, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Back in the day, we used to call them speeches or a lecture or a discourse. Yeah. Calling them a TED Talk. Uh, well, because TED is like an weird. organization. It's like a nonprofit oh, that see, does. I, I had no oh. idea. They I had do... no idea that, the, that, that TED stood for something or was something. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, why of all possible names <laughs> did we go with Ted's? Yeah, it's a company. They like put on lecture series or something, I guess. I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, honey, I have a history question for you today. I love history questions, but I'm feeling that pain in my jaw. What? So, does like, that I feel, mean? Can, can you hear it? I feel like I'm talking with not an accent, but that, 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 that I'm speaking differently. I don't hear anything. Okay. It just must be in my head then. Yeah. I don't know. know, It's just whenever I move my jaw, it's like a soreness. I'm sorry. I took some ibuprofen. I'm cool. Okay. Then you're good. So 
You know that song by Franz Ferdinand, Take Me Out? Sing, hum a few bars for me. Okay, so the chorus just says, I know I won't be leaving here with you. I'm not singing the tune. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I'm one. Gonna, dum, 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 dum. No, that's sure. a different one. That's I don't a totally different <laughs> No. I say, it? don't you know? Yeah. You that is the one I was thinking know. of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's called Take Me Out. And I was wondering. Dun, 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 yes. That so song. I think I was humming the wrong one. Yeah. I don't remember which one so, I was humming. But so okay, that's yes. by Franz Ferdinand. And I'm wondering why that one dude took them so seriously and actually took them out. I think his name was Gav- Gavrilo Princep. Oh, Gavrioli Princep. Actually, you're pronouncing it wrong. Oh, sorry. Okay. Google told me it was Gavrilo Princep. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> yield in this case. I do not know for sure how to pronounce his name. I think that's just always the way that I have pronounced it. I mean, I'm probably uh, wrong, this too. Is, this is bad. This is low even for you. What do you mean? Oh. Their song is literally A Take Me Out. died. Yeah? And <laughs> all right, so uh, uh, so first off, I didn't know the name of the band. So the name of the band was Frederick Ferdinand, Franz, Franz Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So, uh, g- given the time period, I am mm-hmm. guessing that this Franz Ferdinand is not the same Franz Ferdinand who was, as you say, taken out <laughs> by Gavrioli Princep. Okay, uh, I guess that's possible because we're talking World War Two versus early two thousands. Is the World song War that young? Yeah, it's like 2004, I think. Oh, in my head, I had it that it was older. But yes, you were no, correct. 2004. You, you were correct with your uh, with your second time there. No, not it's World, World War, War One. Yes, this was all the <laughs> technically. This is before World War One. Okay, but here's a fun tidbit: the band is named after the Archduke. They okay. did pick their name because oh, of him. I wasn't thinking that it'd be the band name. I was thinking that oh, that's the lead singer, the head no, guy's no, no, no. name. That's okay. the band name. Okay. Isn't well, that then that's fun? even all. That's even all the darker that they're. They're Scottish. Is... Did you know that? It's a Scottish no, indie see, band. Seeing as how I just confessed that I didn't even know that it was a band, and <laughs> no, I, I can honestly <laughs> say I didn't know that they were Scottish either, or that they were an indie band. Well, now but you the, know. The, the, correct me. Am I wrong when I say this? Aren't all bands indie bands until they get signed by a major label? I suppose so. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't see the big deal of oh, we're an indie band. <laughs> Congratulations, you haven't sold your souls yet, Tim. <laughs> sure. All right, so uh, the the uh, the Franz Ferdinand that you are referring uh-huh. to, or that I think you were trying to refer to, uh-huh. is the former Archduke of Austria. My former. Because he was killed. <laughs> he was shot. He, he was, was still... as you say again, taken out. <laughs> was still Archduke. Just because he's dead doesn't mean his title goes not away. Not the Archduke anymore. But his title doesn't go away. But he's not the present Archduke. I'm I don't just... know that Arch. I don't know that uh, that uh, Austria has a present Archduke. Is Archduke like king, where there's only one no. at a time? Well, then his well, okay, title I should, wasn't I, taken I away. I rephrase. Sorry, Archduke is not like king as far as how many can there be at one uh-huh. time. I don't know. The idea that he was called Archduke suggests no to my idea. mind that, okay, that would have been one. He was highest, the arch of all dukes, but I don't know well, for sure. I am not overly familiar with the political titles of Southeastern Europe in this cor- at this time period. Well, I can't not to say that I'm why. overly familiar with all European <laughs> nobility titles throughout history because there are some really wacky ones in there, I think. Mm. All right, but anyway. 
Anyway. All right. So Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, uh, what was it, 1914, I believe, by Gavrioli Princep. And this is considered by, I think, just about everybody everywhere to be the thing that kickstarts World War One. So I want to mm-hmm. be clear about something. This would be a uh, point of um, discrepancy for me and I think some other, I think a decent number of historians also, uh-huh. is that all right, a lot of people teach or say that this is what started World War One. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, that, okay, that's not quite honest. World War One had been building. And in my mm-hmm. opinion, it had been building at least as far back as the 1860s. Uh, World War One breaks what? out in 1914. In my opinion, what's building up to World War One happening starts at least as early as the 1860s. That's like a generation and so the assassination of ferdinand is just the spark that finally lights this stacking powder keg of issues right so uh focusing just on what happens to the archduke Mm -hmm. so uh the archduke is heir to the throne of the austro-hungarian empire at this point Mm -hmm. in history austria um the countries that presently make up austria czechoslovakia hungary Bosnia, um, uh, Serbia. And, yeah. To be honest, I don't know entirely what all the countries are in that area of the world anymore because they were broken up after mm-hmm. World War One, and they've continued to break up willy-nilly since that time. Hmm. But anyway, so it was Austria-Hungary was and has been one of the major powers in Europe from. Uh, I want to say at least from the 1500s mm-hmm. up to this point in history. Well, as we approach the 1900s, Austria's power and influence is starting to dwindle, mm-hmm. but they're still a big enough player on the scene at the time. Right. Uh, a big thing that has been happening for the last uh, 30 or so years by this point is that the Ottoman Empire is mm-hmm. in decline. Absolute mm-hmm. and utter decline. They used to control much of Southeast Europe, but they are losing that control. And as the Ottoman Empire is shrinking, this mm-hmm. leaves a power vacuum kind right. of in the area. Now, part of this is because of nationalism. The people in this area, they are not Ottoman Turks. They are mm-hmm. Croats. They are Serbians. They are, uh, I, I don't know all the ethnic groups in that area off the top of my head. Right. And they've got this taste of nationalism, thanks largely in part to the French Revolution, but also this this idea of nationalism spreading throughout the world by this point. Wait, is that why you say 1860? Because that's when French Revolution ended? No, the French Revolution didn't end in 1860, but I say the 1860s because when um, the 1860s is when Italy and Germany unite to become new players in the European field, per se. And I feel like we talked about that. We we talked about them unifying. I don't know if it was the main subject, but we talked about their unification before. And that, I think, is the most disruptive thing Mm -hmm. that forces that or I shouldn't say forces, but that is going to make that the powder cake start Mm -hmm. to build up. Because they're new players on the, as we've done the comparison for it, they're new players in the game, and mm-hmm. the old players don't like that these new players first off exist, and that these new mm-hmm. players are powerful. Right. So anyway, again, going back to the decline of the Ottoman Empire, mm-hmm. all these areas in southeastern Europe, they got a taste for nationalism. As the Ottoman Empire is declining, they want to establish their own independent nations. They want to have their own countries. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem is, though, that for one thing, while they're not exceptionally wealthy in these areas, some of these countries are landlocked, and that's bad. It is very, very hard today for a landlocked nation to to be successful, to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. because without access to a port, without some way of bringing in, we, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. still water is the right. primary method to transport huge amounts of cargo and supplies and whatnot. Without access to a port, 
well, then you are paying some other country to levy your cargo, your supplies through their borders to get to you. And yeah, we got airplanes today, Mm -hmm. but airplanes, we've talked about this before, they they cannot realistically haul the amount of cargo that modern nations need Mm -hmm. in order to, to, to have a thriving economy. So that's why the Midwest of the United States is so sad. They're all landlocked too. But the United States has more than enough ports <laughs> to provide them with the goods and services they need. Oh, yeah. I guess we are one one country, huh? Yeah, that's, okay. that's really... Uh, okay. Yeah. Go on. You're killing me sometimes, Smalls. <laughs> All right. In addition to everything that we just talked about, about the, mm-hmm. the these people in these areas having their own problems, with the Ottoman Empire declining, mm-hmm. Russia and Austria, the two biggest other players in the area, neither of which are in decline... Oh, okay. Austria kind of in decline, but Russia very slowly is kind of going up for Russia's having a good bump okay. uh, at this point in time, uh, thanks to it's playing a hand in defeating Napoleon. But they want influence over this part of the world now because the, the, the old guard is gone. Well, this is our turn to move in. Mm-hmm. It's like if there's a rival uh, gang or something to that nature, oh, if the old gang or the old leadership is gone, well, the new players are going to come in and say, all right, well, let's, let's take over that territory, man. Right. So Austria and Russia are competing for influence in these areas, and neither of them is opposed to using a little bit of muscle, shall we say, to enforce their Naturally. will. So um, there's so yeah the two so Austria and Russia are competing for influence in this area. Mm-hmm. Among the more shall we say nefarious things that is going to happen during this time is that um, Serbia is going to be its own independent nation. Bosnia is not. Bosnia, or what will eventually be known as Bosnia, or sorry, what will eventually be the country of Bosnia, is not independent. I believe it is controlled, it is either controlled by the Austrians or it is annexed by the Austrians, Mm -hmm. and the Bosnians aren't terribly happy with this by and large. The Serbians are also not happy about this because they don't want the Ottoman Empire, or sorry, they don't want the Austro-Hungarian Empire to have more influence in the area. They want the Bosnians to have their own nation or rather they want another independent nation as their neighbor instead of Austria because they know they know that Austria and Russia are trying to get influence here the Serbians like Russians more than they like the Austrians Uh and if the Austrians have a new piece of territory that further encompasses Serbia Mm -hmm. then that's bad for them okay so because of all of this uh, and these antics, shall we say, mm-hmm. there is also, as you could probably understand, a fair amount of terrorism going on. The Austrian government, Austrian soldiers are doing some not very scrupulous things to the local population. And there are Serbian terrorists and Bosnian terrorists. Uh, it's not fair to call them all terrorists. There are Serbian and Austrian freedom, uh, fighters. freedom fighters, revolutionaries, resistance workers, and terrorists among them as well, okay. who are fighting back against that, trying to end the occupation, trying to get Bosnia freedom and trying to end Austria's influence in the area. Okay. So the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, he decides to go on a goodwill tour. This is trying to drum up some support to show that, hey, we we love the people of Bosnia. We care about you. Uh-huh. So he's going to go on a tour that's going to take him through Sarajevo. And Wait, uh, where is Sarajevo? Sarajevo is the capital of what will eventually be Bosnia. Okay. I'm suddenly having a second thought. Maybe I'm getting the city wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Sarajevo. I'll look it up. Keep going. All right. So um, so there's going to be this grand motor- motorcade because, after all, he's the Archduke. He's not going to just, like, hop in a cheap little limo and just drive around to places. Wait, no, a cheap little motor- limo? What is yeah. wrong with you? 
cheap little limo. Okay, so some people that are rich will drive around in one limo, but this is the Archduke. He's going to have a motorcade, not a single car, single vehicle. Like a Volkswagen. He didn't have a Volkswagen. The Volkswagens didn't exist at that point in time. Oh, that's right. But he didn't have a Pope mobile. No, he did not have a Pope mobile. He was actually in an uncovered, unarmored chariot—not uh, a chariot, a car—but car, yeah. it's unopened. He and, he and his wife are just in the back, and Seems they're, like a they're bad waving. Idea. They're able to wave to anybody. Wait, so JFK didn't learn nothing. JFK was way after that. <sighs> Why didn't JFK okay. have a Pope Do you mobile? want us to talk about the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and being assassinated? Or do you I'm want to saying. drift off into <laughs> other topics? So, well, yes, I want to sympathize with your point that, yeah, anybody of importance who's ever in driven in an open car? vehicle apparently did not learn nothing. But at the same time, we would hope, and I'm among those people that would hope that we can trust in our laws and trust in the security measures and whatnot that mm-hmm. we take or take reasonable gambles jfk for whatever his reasons thought that okay even though there might be people out there that don't like me i think it's better for whatever reason to be in the open and it's not like the secret service mm-hmm. didn't go out of their way to try to make sure that this couldn't happen again so what you're saying is that it was an inside job thank you sarajevo bosnia no that is not what i said at all all. Okay. Don't you dare put words in my mouth, you mm-hmm. hippopotamic, illy, ignorant. Mm-hmm. Back to I love Archduke. you. Back to the Archduke. He's in Sarajevo. He's going for a drive. He and his wifey. So, yes. He and his wife, Grand Motorcade, they're going to be mm-hmm. going through. And a group of people, including Gabrielli Princep, decide that they're going to hit the motorcade. They're mm-hmm. going to get him. So, their plan is rather elaborate they're going they've placed if i remember correctly all the details they have actually placed explosives that they, they get a hold of his route so they know where he's going mm-hmm. they managed to place explosives in several sites along his route their oh. goal is to hit the whole motorcade and cause a massive disruption right. and yeah they're gonna I, I don't remember if their goal was to kill him i think their goal was just to hit the motorcade and if they could kill him too yay bonus yeah, bonus points Yeah, I think their ultimate goal was just to cause the disruption. I don't remember if it was specifically to assassinate him. Oh, and I want to be clear about something, too. So I can't say that I know the opinions of all Serbians and Bosnians at this point in time. I haven't Mm -hmm. done extensive research into the Archduke and his wife. But um, most of what I have read suggests to my mind that he and his wife were actually decent people. Not okay. necessarily the nicest so, people in existence, but like, oh, and as, as I continue with the story, you'll get a taste okay. for at least some of why I say that. I get the impression that they're nice people. Okay, but like being a good person is different than like, I mean, you can recognize that he was a good person, but still disagree with his politics and still yeah. not want his empire to take over this Yeah, country. I'm not saying anything against that. Okay. Go All on. Right. So anyway, Gabriel and his buddies. They plant the explosives. They have ammunition They were that they've obtained. I think, I want to say the weapons were Russian because the Russians are supplying Serbian rebels. Right. And so they're they're ready for to carry out their plan. But something goes wrong, as often goes wrong. Mm-hmm. The first explosion goes off. Um, 
I don't remember what it, what the detail was. Either it went off too early or went off too late. For whatever reason, the first explosion missed its target. Okay. Uh, it did not get the Archduke's vehicle. Oh, yeah, so they must have been going after him first. So it did not hit the Archduke's vehicle. It hit some other vehicle in the motorcade. People did panic and whatnot. But because they missed their target, for whatever the reason, uh, Gabriel and his buddies all kind of chickened out and walked oh. away. The other explosions never went off at all. But the... But the parade continued. Oh, the mo- so the motorcade did not continue. The motorcade did eventually end. The Archduke and uh, the I don't know about the entirety of the motorcade, but the Archduke and his wife went to their hotel and went to some secure place. I don't remember okay. specifically where they went. But oh yeah, so the explosion ended up killing or wounding a lot of civilians. So they they got the wrong people oh, with this no. first blast. So that I think contributed to them kind of chickening out and deciding not to go through with this anymore. Uh-huh. So uh, Gabrioli, obviously being disappointed and whatnot, uh, does what a lot of disappointed men do on a day where oh they thought everything was going to go grand and glorious go and it turned out to be games. a bad day. Video games did not exist at this point in history. Stress eat. Okay, I don't think a lot of guys do stress eat, but I could be wrong. Take a nap. I think you're purposely avoiding what is the most obvious thing. Well, now I'm scared. I don't know. <laughs> he went to the bar. Oh, he went to he went to the bar and got himself wasted. Okay, that's similar to stress eating. Yeah. And so, of course, the Austrians are going to launch an investigation into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in the initial hours after the incident, um, eventually word is going to get back to the Archduke and his wife. They're going to find out that oh yeah, there's lots of people wounded, mm-hmm. and the Archduke and his wife are going to decide to go to the hospital to visit the wounded, the people that were injured. They go to the hospital, they do some, uh, at minimum, they do some glad handing, if not sincerely, like, visiting these yeah. people and trying to be nice and kind to them. So this, yeah, this is one good... of the pieces of evidence to my mind that says, like, especially the, the, his wife seems like a, a very good person. So yeah, they, they're, they're doing yeah. this good thing. At least they know how to drum a good PR. Yeah. So uh, they spend a couple of hours with the wounded at the hospital, then uh-huh. uh, get back in their car drive back to their hotel or whatever it was they were staying but they have a mechanical problem on the way there car breaks down but the archduke is in good spirits because uh-huh. luckily enough <laughs> broke down right in front of a bar so he's thinking all right we're gonna go in and get a <gasps> drink and guess who happens to be stepping out of that bar at exactly the right moment because he ran out of money or maybe they kicked him out what none of this i've never heard he this before actually stops yes in front of the same bar that gabrioli oh is exiting Granted, okay, to be clear, I do not know for sure that he was exiting at the exact moment, but whatever the case the is, story real he good. stops in front of the right bar, Gavrioli exits, sees the Archduke, uh-huh. and probably because he has been filled with liquid courage at this point, just walks right up to the Archduke and his wife and empties his pistol into them. What? I thought the Archduke was killed while driving in this parade, this motorcade. Nope. What? What I was lied so the, to. The, the authorities that uh, the authorities that uh, were with the what? Archduke. Oh, they grab and they grab him. They pummel him. Something good. He was good. right there. The only picture that I've ever seen of him, you could tell he's got bruises. Like not an abundance of bruises, but you can tell. Oh, he got roughed up. Oh my gosh! So it was like an impulsive decision at that point for Gavrilo. I'm sure you could say that impulsive. Right time, right place. Plastered. Wow. And so uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was. It, uh, it wasn't me, so I can't claim credit for it. Uh, <laughs> there was somebody I was listening to who was talking about this incident many, many years ago. And um, he was making the theory. So there's an old adage. 
that that one person can change the course of history. Yeah. Some people say that, oh yeah, of course one person can change the course of history. Others say, no, no, one person can't really do that. Yeah. I would dare to say if ever there were a solid argument for mm-hmm. one person, one person by themselves can change the course of history or mm-hmm. alter the effect of history, I would say that, okay, Gabrielli Princept has a good run at that title yeah. because it, it, it is, I think, undeniable that yeah, his his role in this, which will eventually kickstart World War One, yeah. is a monumental thing. I mean, there are so many things that mm-hmm. the that still affect our world even today. Not to mention for the rest of the 1900s, that arguably would never have come into being if World War One hadn't happened. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible that Hitler would have been nothing more than a blip in some population record if World War One hadn't have happened. Oh, that's just that's just one of the many possibilities. Right. That's crazy to think about. I'm sure someone's written an alternate history fictional book of like, what would have happened if he had gone to a different bar? I want to say I've heard a couple of theories <laughs> in relation to this. But yeah, so that that is the story of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. And uh, shortly after he is assassinated, Austria, um, and this is one of the reasons for why I say that, okay, this was just the thing that, that lit the match. This was not the thing that started the war. Mm-hmm. Because Austria, after, in response to this, sent, well, okay, in response, they do an awful lot of mean, cruel lockdown things on the Bosnian and Serbian population within their Naturally. borders. Uh, but they also issue, they blame Serbia for for this assassination. They Rather than thinking of Gabriel and his buddies as an independent group, they say, right. oh no, this was Serbia. Serbia did this to us. Oh. And they issue Serbia a 10-point ultimatum and says, hey, you're going to do this thing or else it's war. I don't remember what all the points are off the top of my head, but these are ludicrous things. Absolutely ludicrous. Because Austria has no intention of Serbia actually yielding to this. They give them this ultimatum knowing that there's no way Serbia is going to say yes to this, so it's going to mean war. Surprisingly, Serbia, I I, I don't remember what they all were, but they were things like, you're going to let our troops into your border. We're going to conduct an investigation inside your territory. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like things are just in that are completely invasive and not terrible. No nation would. It seems to me the most beginning duties of any kind of government is to not allow another country to do these things inside your country. Right. But surprisingly, Serbia is going to say yes to all but two of them. I don't remember what those two were off the top of my head. But yeah, they, they, they say yes to most of them. But they didn't say yes to all of them. So Austria, after all, I issued the ultimatum. Austria declares war oh on Serbia. Gosh. That is the first declaration of war in the series of what I think is often described as the domino chain. Because of the system of that alliances have been created. Because Austria declared war on Serbia, Serbia's ally Russia will declare war on Austria. Because Russia declared war on Austria, Germany's ally, or sorry, Austria's ally, Germany, is going mm-hmm. to declare war on Russia. But Germany knows that oh France gosh. is Russia's ally, and Germany knows then that, oh, if we declare war on Russia, then France is going to probably declare war on us. Germany sends a telegram to the French government saying, hey, we're going to do this thing because like, because Russia declared war on them, but hey, stay out of it. Okay, If we do this thing, are you going to stay out of it? Uh-huh. France never responds, whether on purpose or because nobody got the message, I don't know. But France never responds. So Germany instead, in its infinite wisdom, says, all right, we're going to go with this plan that we've had for a while because we know that there was probably going to be a two-front war coming for a long time. Right. So and this is another stage of, okay, they, they knew that this was coming. People were preparing for this. So Germany is going to preemptively declare war on France before France has a chance to declare war on it. 
because it declared war on Russia. Oh my gosh. And in order to try to knock France out of the war quickly, Mm -hmm. Germany is going to decide to go through Belgium. Belgium's neutrality is protected. It's been protected for over 100 years by treaty that not Germany, but Prussia signed because Germany didn't exist at the time. And Britain has made it clear that while they are not going to get involved because Russia and France and Austria and Germany are involved, Britain has made it clear that, oh, but we're guaranteeing Belgium's independence. So no go. Germany, Germany writes them a telegram, writes a telegram to both Belgium and to Britain saying, hey, we want to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. So don't get in our way. All right. It's cool. And both of them say, no, England (laughs) actually says, don't do it. If you do it, it's going to be war. Germany does it anyway. So England declares war. Sorry, Britain declares war on Germany. And then, oh my gosh! Despite the fact that uh, Italy was also part of an alliance system with Austria and with Germany, Italy has secretly, prior to any of this, uh, told France that, "Hey, uh, if Germany starts the war with you, right. then we're we're gonna stay out of it. We're not gonna we're not gonna get into this thing." Mm-hmm. And Italy will eventually join the war, but on France, Britain, and Russia's side. And then, uh, the, and then later on, the Ottoman Empire will eventually get involved. Nobody wanted the Ottoman Empire on their side. <laughs> I think but I remember talking. Germany about this eventually one. says, "All right, yeah," because they're hoping that the Ottoman Empire will give them access to attacking British colony, mm-hmm. British and French colonies in Africa and Asia, right. which doesn't really happen. And then eventually, after enough time goes by, then the United States will get uh, brought into the war because <laughs> Germany is going to, amongst other things, use U-boat warfare to make Americans mad, but also. Um, send a telegram to Mexico saying, hey, Mexico, you want to get in on this thing? Help us, and then we'll help you defeat the United States. You can get all your land back that you lost in the Mexican War. And Mexico, very brilliantly. So Mm -hmm. Mexico, I think, is the most smart nation in all the nations that could have had a role in World War I. Mexico says, nah. (laughs) But when the Americans find out about this, then the Americans are incensed, and America joins the war on the side of Britain, France, and Russia. This could have just been a Europe war, not a world war. And that's what many Americans wanted. Yeah. So um, if I remember correctly, Woodrow Wilson is among those who did not want to get in the war. Or at least he said so. I mean, he, he ran for re-election on the campaign. I kept us out of the war. Uh-huh. So yeah, the, the, this is something that I think has always been true about America. At our, at our hearts, we have always been an isolationist nation. We don't mm-hmm. really care about the problems going on in the other world. Our government and Can't our leaders. Can't say that anymore. No, no, that's no. still to this day, the public. The public oh, okay. doesn't really care about what's going on in the rest of the world. We're more concerned about things in our own backyard. Right. But throughout history, our leaders and our governors have more often than not wanted to get involved in mm. things in the in the global community. Now, I can I can't blame them for that because it is reasonable that okay things that can take and things that can happen mm-hmm. in one part of the globe can eventually reach over and eventually For affect sure. us. And if they're going to be problems, we'll better cut them off while they're small and growing before and you, you're just infested with weeds everywhere else. Kind right. of a thing. Nationalism but, is a weed. But yeah, so that's why uh, if if uh, I don't remember why did why did I start talking about the U.S. not wanting to publicly we don't like to get involved in the things you were you were listing all the ways like why all the countries started joining up the oh. war okay so yeah just yeah, by public demand the united the united states population did not want to get mm-hmm. involved in the war we were thinking about just like with world war ii originally that's europe's problem why should we care about it right but then uh, america has also proven in the past that well hey if you start the fight if you bring the fight to us <laughs> well, well then we'll it. get into it and we're gonna kick your butts 
because we rock. And go that's what we did. And I've, I've heard several jokes and descriptions of World War One, where uh, I, I think much of the rest of the world isn't very uh, big on America's involvement, which is fair. So we literally got in at the tail end of the war. Now, mm-hmm. we were supplying the Allies with stuff. We, we were also supplying the Germans with stuff because b- b- businesses in the, in the United States hadn't made up their minds on who was going to win. Oh. So American businesses, American industry were selling supplies to both sides in the beginning. Right. The Allies were always getting more than the Germans and the Austrians were ever they, did, though. though. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so eventually we stopped selling uh, our stuff to both sides. But mm-hmm. uh, oh, and I forgot. Why did I even bring that up again? I don't know. What was I going to say? I was going to say something I thought it was cool at the time. Huh. America not wanting to get into the war. Yeah, we were happy to sell stuff in. Oh, sorry. So we were we were supplying all the sides. So yes. they definitely benefited from us giving them the materials they needed to keep fighting. Who knows mm-hmm. if the, the war would have gone on or could have gone on or and much less ended the way it did if they hadn't been getting supplies from the Americans. Mm-hmm. But in the end, when our infantry actually shows up, it was kind of like the end of the party. The war wasn't over yet but the the, the there, there wasn't all that much more to do i guess you could say oh. so uh some pe- some people have rightly criticized that okay america showing up and claiming that when the americans <laughs> won the war that's eh, not really fair uh, we, it's, right. more, it's more like we probably sped up the end coming yeah instead of oh no we we, we won it for the rest of y'all <laughs> it's like when the little kids are fighting or whatever then Finally, like an older sibling or babysitter or whatever shows up and like, I'll solve this. Sure. Look at me. I'm great. But the fight was winding down. Sure, that's fair. <laughs> like they were figuring it out on their own. But Big Brother gets credit. Well, to be fair, the only front that the Americans got in on was the Western Front. The Americans might have been sent to other areas, but to the best of my knowledge, the vast mm-hmm. majority of our troops got sent to the Western Front, which was the trenches, which was stalemate for right. on, all the way up until the last couple of months of the war. They should have just used drones. Really? Yeah. Drones didn't exist at the time. Well, someone should have invented them. Airplanes then. were fairly brand new, and, air- <laughs> and airplanes in World War One started off as just being for recon, and it, was- and it took mm-hmm. a while before they realized, "Ooh, hey, if we if we give our pilots more than just their sidearms mm-hmm. to shoot at each other, then That's hey, so airplanes can be an effective weapon." <laughs> like literally a handgun. Yeah, it's literally in, in the, the beginning. The pilot had a had a pistol in him. If he sees another pilot out there, just pulls it out. And even it's so crazy. I, I I don't remember reading about any documented case of this but i wouldn't be surprised if even towards the end of the war if mm-hmm. oh you couldn't get the angle you needed or maybe your main guns ran out of ammunition you know, the pilots can get close enough to each other pull out their pistol and shoot at one another oh my gosh war is wild um, war is wild i think that's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite areas of history to study <laughs> i can you know some of the best uh-huh. stories and definitely some of the most scientific advances come from war there is mm-hmm. nothing that encourages innovation and spending on wild ideas mm-hmm. innovations and sciences than warfare because every country wants the newest greatest super uh-huh. weapon or super thing that they can use to help uh-huh. them win this war and it's totally worth it for all those people to die I never said that. <laughs> That's what you're saying. That is not what I'm That's saying what at you're all. Saying. That is not what I'm saying at all. You but said I think you it, love war. I said I love studying war. I didn't say I love <laughs> war. 
right, but this, but you do bring up something that is absolutely fair. There is so much of what we enjoy today that does have a death toll to it. That mm-hmm. the only reason we have these things, that we know about these things, that we have the things we needed to get to the things that we have today, mm-hmm. are because of our thanks to people that died during war years. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones that uh, I tell my students about from time to time. We owe so much of our world today to the Nazis because mm. there was no such thing as a rocket lab. There was no such thing as a rocket industry until the Nazis started funding Otto von Braun's projects. Dang. He was the first one to build a rocket lab. He was the first one to build the rockets that will eventually take us to the moon to say nothing of putting all the satellites we have up there, which enable cell phones and wireless mm-hmm. internet and all the our society could not survive today or much of our way of life could not survive today if it weren't for all these satellites and the only reason that any of those things are up in the air Uh is because 70 what are we at 80 years ago the nazis (laughs) funded this amateur rocket enthusiast who had some pretty good or some pretty bold ideas we would have gotten there eventually oh yeah we would have gotten there eventually but who knows how long it would have taken and so again, I want one of the things I want to be clear about. There, there was no such thing as a rocket lab or a rocket base or any of these things. Rocketry was an amateur hobby throughout the world at this point in time. Literally everything we know about rockets is mm-hmm. taken from the basis of Otto's work. And the only reason he was able to learn any of these things is because of the huge amounts of money that the German war machine, mm. or specifically Hitler, was willing to give him right. to create a super weapon. So Bismarck said this in his own right. Bismarck, uh, uh, <laughs> Braun, uh, Otto von Braun said this in his own right. His goal had always been that he wants to get to the moon. So I don't know oh, if he got the he idea. Actually of, said that. Yeah, I don't know if he got the idea from Jules Verne. Jules Verne wrote a book. Um, I want. I think it was called From the Earth to the Moon. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But he wrote a book in which he described that. Yeah, one day we're gonna have these uh, ships that have uh, explosions powerful mm-hmm. enough for us to get to the moon. And so we know that that was one of his goals, but Hitler was obvious and the Nazis made no buts about it when they gave uh, Otto the funding. They Mm -hmm. said, no, we want this. We want to turn this thing into a weapon. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. And so but after the war is over, uh, von Braun, despite the fact that he built these weapons that uh, the V2 rockets killed lots of people, despite the fact that he built these weapons, uh, he gets a free pass on and working with the Nazis. We bring him over here and we take advantage of him and his knowledge to eventually build the rockets. I kid you not, the Mm -hmm. the sad rocket that eventually gets neil armstrong on the moon that is one of his dang so he gets a pass on like being a war criminal because we need his brain that unfortunately happened a lot at the end of world war ii there are so many scientists from both germany Uh and japan who got free rides yeah uh because we wanted their research yeah. Even if their research was bad and we knew it was bad and we knew it had been obtained through experiments mm-hmm. on humans and I kid you not, babies even. Oh, yeah. A lot of these guys were given free passes because we wanted to lock down that information. Not necessarily because yeah. we wanted to use it, but on some in some cases at least because we wanted to make sure that the Russians or somebody else didn't get it. Oh, yeah. But back to World War One. So how do you... Yeah, we went off on a tangent there, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> no, so how is it that you always sum it up... Um, you have a funny way of explaining how we got into World War One because a Serb killed an Austrian in Bosnia. How how do you? There's this thing that you say that you sum you? up. Yes, you've said it before. I have. I, I, Primus, was it you? 
There was, there was more to it. Is that a horrible histories thing? How yeah. dare you? You were accusing oh me gosh. of you saying to, some horrible. Back away from your mic if you're going to scream at me. You were accusing me of saying some horrible history shenanigan. It's genius, though. Okay, tell me it again. What is it? How do they say it? How dare you? I. You need to burn. Killed an Austrian in Bosnia. That was not me confessing. So if there my was wife more dies in a fiery thing of some kind, no, I'm not responsible. Shoot, I'm going to have to look it up. I can't believe you thought that was me. It was so beautiful. The way this just, it's. History isn't horrible. I was trying to give you credit for something really awesome. You were trying to give me association with that silliness. That is horrible histories. But like, they're not wrong. Something can be correct and still be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Look at our marriage. I'm not even listening to you anymore. It's not wrong, but it is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, I get it. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Why war? Because an Austrian has been killed by a Serb in Bosnia, and that means war. Ah, oh, I see. Sir? Yes, Meltrap. Why does an Austrian being killed by a Serb in Bosnia mean war, sir? <laughs> because of Russia. Ah. Why? Because Russia supports Serbia and Austria supports Bosnia and so on. So an Austrian is being killed by a Serbian in Bosnia, which means Austria might invade Serbia and then Russia will invade Austria. Correct. Any questions? Yes, sir. What is it, Meltravers? How does this involve Britain, sir? Well, now, Travers, who would you say is your best friend? Oh, well, Blinkensop, sir. He's a spiffing fellow. And if I were to punch Blinkensop in the nose, what do you think he would do? Well, <laughs> nobody punches Blinkensop and gets away with it. Thanks, old bean. Exactly, exactly. So, if Russia threatens Austria, Austria's best friend will offer support. And who is Austria's best friend? Germany. Germany is Austria's best friend, now, Travers. Austria, Germany, sitting in the tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Yes. So, if Russia were to attack Austria, Germany would attack Russia. But that would leave Germany undefended on the other side. So, if Germany were to attack Russia, she would also have to attack France. France. Yes, France. And if Germany were to attack France, it would leave Belgium threatened. And Belgium? Is our friend. So we would hop in there to defend them. So we've all got to go and fight in a war because of that, sir. Yes, Maltravers. But I might get killed, sir. Yes, you might, Maltravers. But it would all be for a good cause. So, okay, let me add this. The point I, uh, is, Britain no. got involved in a war because a Serb killed an Austrian in Bosnia. No, Britain Obviously. got involved in a war because a Serbian killed an Austrian in Bosnia. Uh -huh. And then following that, a Russian declared war on Austria. And then a German, fearing that France was going to declare war on it for uh -huh. declaring war on Russia, went through Belgium's backyard and Britain said no. I like the way Horrible History said it better. Oh, the simpler explanation Austria and Germany uh, are best friends. got involved in World War I because Germany went through Belgium's backyard without permission. Oh, yeah, okay. But Germany's Austria's best friend, so they have to punch Russia in the so nose. So for, uh, for anybody else who uh, might enjoy this, another <laughs> fun one that I've been aware of for a while is you should be able to easily Google this. Um, uh, if World War I was a bar fight. 
There's a story mm. out there. Plenty of the versions of it I've seen have pictures and whatnot too, where they just describe World War One as if it was a bar fight, like a Serbia spilt its drink on, ba- on Austria, <laughs> Austria threw down, and then uh, Serbia's buddies, Russia and France, showed up, and then Austria's buddies, Germany and uh, Ottoman Empire, yeah, showed yeah, up, yeah. and they just all started brawling. Uh, Japan, all the way on the other side of the bar, starts saying that, "Hey, hey, I'm on their side." It doesn't really do anything, <laughs> and then America shows up in the end and like lays and throws the last punch and says, "Ha!" I won the battle. I, or I, I won the fight. I love that so much. Yeah. It's beautiful. My first year of teaching, I decided that I wanted to do that, but I felt like, oh, it's wrong for me to to describe it as a bar fight to them. So mm. I ad- I did my own adaptation yeah. of it, and I called it a cafeteria fight. Uh, so yes, if I remember fight. correctly, it was a, a Serbia threw its lunch at Austria, got a, got Austria's new clothes ruined. <laughs> Austria was all ticked off, uh, and so then that just led to. Serbia's yeah. friends and Austria's friends getting into a cafeteria fight that eventually consumed a lot of the school. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. Who's the principal? Hmm? Uh, who who's the who would represent the principal or there the, was the no lunch princi- ladies? There was no principal. There were no lunch ladies. It was just that <sighs> it was just the friends. Chaos. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's enough. Do you? I do. You thinking is a dangerous thing. Mm, you thought that I said really? something that you got off of horrible histories. And that's going to take me a while to forgive. Would you, how else would you explain why Britain got into World War I? A Serb killed an Austria in Bosnia. I think I did it's a beautiful so job of explaining it. That is not so clear. Because <laughs> Britain didn't get, get involved after a Serbian killed a Bosnia in, well, after a Serbian killed an Austria in Bosnia. Well, then because of Russia... And because of Germany. Didn't get involved when Russia. <laughs> didn't get involved in France. Got involved when Germany went through Belgium's backyard. Before Germany went through Belgium, uh-huh. Britain said, we're out of this. Uh-huh. But then they had to defend their friend. More like their ward. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to rescue me from my eternal torment, then please uh, send us a message on uh, Google, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Married to History Pod. <laughs> or, you know, if you would like to hear more about a future episode. Yes, yes. Also, please contact us if you have a silly question idea or if there's something from history that you would love to learn about. I mean, I'm, I'm easy. I don't take up much room. I, mean, I can sleep on the couch. I'm cool with that. Just anything really. I just I need to get out of here. Really? It's scary. Really? What? Oh, sorry. Was I was I saying that into the microphone? Yes, I thought I was just were. dreaming that. Yeah. Um, just be sure to specify in your message if it's silly, like like all my comments that I just mm, made, or serious, which nothing that I just said was, because we don't <laughs> want to treat a genuine quest for knowledge like a joke. Yeah. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye bye. Trying to be able to speak and see you at the same time. Mm. Okay. We're good. Are we? Because sometimes I worry about us. I think that maybe we're not so good. I mean, I've been watching this crime show. Awful lot of husbands and wives cheating on each other. Or murdering each other. Don't know which is worse. Um, yeah. All right. Welcome to Married to History, where we... He- mm, I forgot. I where we dance, it. if we want to. It. And we leave our friends behind.